Hello there and welcome to the Pint-Sized Healing Podcast. My name is Max Thompson. Let's get started. <clears throat> month after month, year after year, you're absolutely right. That's, that's a very good explanation. Very good. This again with mindfulness. We, we all have mindfulness. You know, oh, yeah. We think about the first time in a new job, first time in a new house, first time with a new partner. Um, we're really mindful. We're, we're looking at them everything there we're, we're making lots of judgments we're watching what we're saying we're watching what they're saying hopefully and uh, yeah fingers crossed <laughs> yeah but three months later it's a very different picture isn't it it looks very very different our job if we're suffering with the thoughts of the past and future is to keep bringing it back as if it's a first day um time and again and that's no bad thing is it i mean really well and i think as well like you know just because uh, and i've seen this happen so many times people who have experienced um, uh, bullying or abuse from someone and then whenever so when when they meet a new person and that person expresses themselves poorly then immediately you know they are oh they have a personality disorder I, okay that they might be true I'm not saying that, that they don't but it could also be that you're maybe just you know you're yeah I always call it the nar narcissist radar is just a little bit too sensitive <laughs> you might want to tone that down a little bit because sometimes people express themselves very poorly right and you need to get you know there needs to be an element of okay so that's that a flag just went up there let me just let me just be a little bit more mindful of what they're saying and doing and how their behaviors in their language match up and so I think it's great when we when we are more aware but like you say the whole judgment thing comes into that as well like we don't have to jump down everyone's throat when they say or do something no, we, can, we can have a judgment but uh, obviously we mustn't always act on it and i think yes again being mindful is where we can make a decision about well it's okay to think badly this person for this moment but um let's give them the opportunity to see whether it's true or not um, yeah and i'm protecting myself i'm using judgment in a reasonable way but if I take that judgment away and, and sign up to exclusively and I'm never going to be open to anything else, that's not particularly helpful. You know, we're, we're going to be also, kind yeah, I was going to say quite that's narcissistic pretty, in that view, I think. I was going to say, that's pretty toxic behaviour, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's um, something I recognise from my mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think the key from that part of the discussion really is about observing why people are behaving the way they are and, and seeing you can find a story for them. Um, for yourself, uh, while you're thinking, oh, crumbs in, and they've been quite aggressive and loud and, and bullying, and they've only just started here. Well, they're probably really frightened, and this is how they cover it up. Um, yeah, and I think this is also how we can help the people around us, right? Because sometimes um, it's easier to kind of see a pattern from the outside in, the, oh, yeah. you know. Um, like, we've, I've had that where... Um, it was like, oh, hang on. Do you know what? You always do this behavior when you haven't had anything to eat for a little while. Mm. Have something to eat. See if that helps. And, you know, sometimes it's as simple as someone's hungry and so they're cranky. That's a pretty kind of universal thing that happens when our blood sugar is really low, right? And where do you see that obviously? Where do we obviously see that? You know, in kids. Yeah, exactly. You know, Children acting up, they want to eat, you know, especially after school and they're starving because they haven't eaten their lunch and they've <laughs> done pee. Yeah, exactly. Pee. And then they're really grotty. Well, I'll just shove them full of food and they'll be fine. Yes. But 
but you, you can children observing children can teach us an awful lot as adults i think you know you can see the cues there they're either too tired as you say they're hungry um they're bored <laughs> they're not stimulated yeah, but nine out of ten times it is kind of simple things like that that make us respond in less than rational way <laughs> yeah well that behavior then threatens us especially if we're as a result of emotional um we've, we're quite fragile emotionally and somebody doesn't honor us you know we've bought them something to eat and then they say i don't really want that we get really cranky with them but actually there might be there might be something to that well to be honest what it does what it used to do for me a lot of the time is that you know by someone saying i don't want this meal or i don't like this meal i would take that as them saying i don't like you yeah yeah <laughs> right and i don't want you in my life yeah. which is you know a fairly big leap but that is definitely what the inner you know the the inner voice is saying at that point yeah. uh, in time and i you know becoming aware of that conversation again that's a, a part of the awareness right becoming aware of hey what is what is actually going on in um what what is actually happening and and what is happening inside my head and do those things are those things actually connected or not mm, yeah yeah uh, and that's i think that's the hardest part in mindfulness of, of being that aware of these tiny little you know what appear on the outside consciously to be insignificant but actually really focusing on the behaviors the dynamics that's going listen, on listen i don't do that 24 7. no 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 and i think just saying going, going back to using mindfulness as a tool for this really it's about using mindfulness when you're when you're feeling good it's it's about putting the tools in place and so that you can draw on them when you're not really when you've got a fuzzy head and, and exactly going crazy you're really emotionally overwhelmed we need to be able to actively know how to quickly be able to draw on the tools that we've learned uh, to ground and center as if you're having a panic attack obviously when the middle of it is too much but before Oof. you can become aware of the signals and then start to intervene before the emotions get too big and yeah, a lot of times like i had this definitely with ptsd but um once i started kind of being able to feel that coming up i could just say okay do you know what let me just go into a quiet room for like five minutes and just breathe through this and usually it would it would calm it back down right because just um not having so much sensory input helped and yeah. and then you just you can quiet yourself down again but before you get to that point where you can still turn the tide on something like that that's like that's a path right um and like you say it it, it it's really good to practice things when you're not in that panic mode so that you can you know I, I say it's often when people are afraid of confrontation right like um their abuser is gonna show up at a at a place where they go to um and i've had that uh i've had that happen and what i done beforehand it's about six months after i broke contact with my parents and they showed up unannounced at my sister's house where i was and and so I'd spent the previous six months practicing what I would say if that was to happen. And so I didn't think about it. It just, this whole speech just spilled out of me, right? Very good. And I left. I mean, I was fuming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I called, I, called, I called my husband and I was like, ah! I used words that I'm not allowed to say on the podcast. But... Um, <laughs> 
But anyway, but just because you've practiced it, you can just implement that without even thinking about it. You can, you know, you can just focus on keeping your emotions yeah. flat for the next five minutes before you can leave the room, right? Very good, very good. And I think something similar is, is true for kind of these mindfulness practices as, as the more they kind of become an, an automatic response, the easier they are to implement when we really, really, really need them. Yeah. And, you know, and creating that gap again between trigger and emotion and then the behavior that we might exhibit, we can, we can lengthen the fuse and we can become more responsive, less reactive. Yes. And then we become less regretful about you know, whatever reaction we might otherwise have had. Um, but again, you know, even if we fail at that the first few times or however long it takes, it's always a celebration when we recognize that we could have done an alternative, that we had an alternative choice. Absolutely. And that's what it's about. And like some of the ways that I make sure that I practice this stuff is to do it at times that would otherwise just kind of be wasted time like you know when you're in the bus or uh waiting in the queue in the supermarket you know that there's so much time in a day where you're just kind of waiting or wasting time because i don't know that's just how you know that's just how life works those are the moments where if you can I hate saying capitalize on those moments, but that is kind of what you're doing, right? But yeah, if you can absolutely. use, you know, if you can use that time, which is, you know, lost time anyway, to kind of get into that moment and see who's around you and see, you know, and, and experience what you're experiencing. Okay. In the bus, I don't always want to see who's around me actually, but <laughs> you know, but there's things outside, you know, you can yes, see exactly. <laughs> maybe you're, you're in a traffic jam, whether you're in a car or on a bus, you can turn your head to the side. Yes. And often we're just looking forward and we're seeing the traffic and the fumes and the lights and everything else, but turn your head to the side or look up or whatever, you know, you can look in place you would normally look and you might find beauty there somewhere, you know, between some houses, some fields. I've seen that before and, and you can actually see a deer or something, you know, or something you've just never considered just before. Happened. Or yeah. even like, I don't know if you find this as well, but you, all of it makes it so much easier to, to make uh, human connections as well, because all of a sudden you're aware that there's other people around you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, that, and yeah. that maybe they are also looking at you. So you may say, hello. <laughs> it's true. The more at peace you are with yourself, and the more calm you are about your situation, the more people are likely to engage. But if I feel threatened, then people sense that and they'll feel threatened because they oh, don't absolutely. Me. So yeah, that's, that's been really clear in my life. Um, the less angry, the more certain I've been, the, the less aggro I've had in my life, the less trouble I have in my life. It's, it's quite remarkable what we give off the micro expressions and, and the, uh, the speech, you know, the incorrect speech that we might use at times. Well, that, yeah. And it, I mean, I think, um, you know, those kind of, the thoughts and feelings that we're kind of unaware of, which is, you know, a lot of it, <laughs> um, they inform all the choices that we make, right? They, so they inform how we speak and what we eat and what we do and, you know, all those, all those kind of things. And the more uh, we become aware of what's going on, the more, um, the more we are, we are in charge of what choices we make, right? Very, I mean, powerful. this is... Yeah. This is the whole, I think this is the whole point of uh, practicing mindfulness is getting into that driver's seat rather than just, you know, 
having the yeah maybe this is <laughs> i was going to say the google car drive you <laughs> <laughs> but you touched on a really important point there i'm now more empowered to as we touched on before respond rather than react and i, and I want to make the difference between empowered and choices rather than control because again mm. out, out of trauma we can try and control things to, for our own safety yes but none of us are ever in control we're all no. control addicts and yes you know i think it's great doing some research on control it's another big area that I, i'm really fascinated in because we don't we just have no control so have a power of choice it feels like control but it's not <laughs> <laughs> and then you take responsibility for the outcomes uh, that's that's a better thing you know you've, you've got clarity about the decisions you make you're not investing in the outcome you're making a decision based on the information available at that time and people often say to me i made a terrible decision when i married that man or or married that woman i said well what was the information you had at the time well she was brilliant oh he was fantastic i loved him or i loved her well then it wasn't the wrong decision was it well i've had someone say that to me um because they'd experienced partner abuse and and obviously i've experienced parent parental abuse and they were like yeah but you didn't have a choice you were born into it i made the mistake and i was like i don't think you made any more of a choice about this than i did really but you know yeah uh i don't think i'm going to convince you otherwise in this particular conversation because that's not where your head's at but you know it's not we don't go into this um, it, even even if we see kind of like oh there's something not right about it but we still make the choice to uh to commit to a relationship yeah i, I think that's a slight caveat to what i was saying a moment ago that if you do have a an inkling that something's seriously wrong then we do have a choice to with mindfulness we can have a choice about whether to act on that information exactly but you know but, if, uh, that it, too is a learning curve yeah yeah for sure and we we must forgive ourselves if we get that wrong and when we get that wrong but you know it's we're too harsh on ourselves we're allowed by humans to, to you know we are humans so we are bound to make mistakes it's inherent in well you know we are fallible yeah we're definitions so you know it's gonna happen you, you can give up on that yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, can, yeah. you can give up on that today like you're gonna make mistakes done um, I'm thinking about, uh, yeah, we've talked about behavior as a result of um, emotions, I think, but the emotions and emotional regulation is another major goal, I think, of being more mindful. And it's certainly part of the course, again, uh, if you recall. I think if, you know, if we are watching what we're eating, how much we're resting, how much we're playing, how much we're giving rather than receiving, you know, with equanimity, then we can have an idea about why we feel the way we do. And I've been particularly busy the last three or four weeks in the therapy office. So either I'm particularly brilliant or there's more people out there with mental health illness coming to me for, you know, because of sheer I think numbers. I think it's a com combination of both. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not going to go for the thing. But just, <laughs> I, I joke about not, not in real terms. I think I have been giving more than I've been receiving in the last few weeks, whereas I've deliberately mm. designed my practice around balance. And the last few weeks, I've not been able to say no because the demands have been so high. And as a result of that, I've been aware of the changes in my behaviors at home and the emotions that are arising that are creating these behaviors. <clears throat> the busier we are, the more our relationships start, uh, suffer. And the more, oh, definitely. the more our playfulness goes into you know, later, that can get, wait till later. The sleep maybe gets shortened. The, the way we eat becomes less mindful again because we can eat really mindfully. We might drop a gym session here and there. I've definitely done that. 
and now we just go down the rabbit hole. Now we start to become more emotionally um, hardwired again to triggers. And then as a result of that, we may start drinking, eating drugs, whatever it is we do to take us to the garden of none. And then we'd say, well, that was down to my past. Mm, no, we took our eye off of the ball. There was a precursor there, but we're now responsible for our behaviors today. If yeah. we can be aware and awake enough. That's not saying that, you know, we, the abuser, the, the offenders or whatever don't have a responsibility. Of course they did. Well, but, and I think this is why a lot of people hold on to this stuff is because they feel like if I let go of it, then I absolve their responsibility. But I think that taking responsibility for your own healing doesn't stop them being responsibility uh, responsible for, you know, the pain that they've inflicted. Um, but seriously, holding on to that anger all the time is exhausting. Yeah, yeah, it's so and, toxic. And, and, and like you say, when you are tired, you're just not going to be as effective in managing your, uh, your emotions and your, just your day-to-day -day life. And I, and I think that what, especially when you're kind of um, going down a rabbit hole a little bit, um, sometimes it's really small adjustments that you can make that kind of get you back to um feeling solid ground right like um like i've the last few weeks i've really been um all over the, all over the place but it's just my whole everything was hectic because there was no pattern to things there's no rhythm to things and all, all i could think was i want rhythm again so yeah. I'm, I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to stop this. I'm just going to set my alarm at the same time every day. And it's going to be awful for the first week. And it was um, because, you know, you've gotten used to getting going to bed later and blah, blah, blah. And so um, I've been tired, but tired in a different way. <laughs> just because I'm kind of forcing myself back into get up at the same time every day. Right. And, and do. Um, oh. Uh, and, and some things you can just sort of regulate, um, uh, and, and just even, even just one small little change, like setting your alarm at the same time every day can be a huge impact on, you know, feeling better and, um, and yeah, moving, moving upward again out of the rabbit hole. I mean, I completely agree. I completely agree. Before this last busy few weeks. I was doing exactly the same and started waking at the same time every morning, going to bed reasonably the same time. And that made a huge difference. For me, it was like counting calories. It was counting my hours. And I had an app that was, that was measuring the sleep. And it, first I was a bit judgmental about it. Oh, that's not very good, is it? <laughs> yeah. And then I became, oh, well, this is actually how I sleep. Yeah. And I got acceptance. Then it became a routine. And then the app or the watch that I was using broke. And yet the, the habit yeah, you... was in place. Exactly. It we takes habits and then the habits create us and it's a wonderful thing. That has given me the ability to cope better with this extra workload, which is what you're talking about. Sometimes you're right, we do need to create some safety. It's not about control, it's about awareness and awakeness and waking a little bit earlier maybe and spending ten minutes with a bit of meditation, a bit of guided meditation if you if you don't do your own. I do that every single day without fail now. Um, and it makes they're just a Thimble full of meditation makes such a difference to the day, and it doesn't have to be humming and singing and so on and blow it. If you like that, it Listen, can. it can be bre uh, uh, breath awareness on, like yeah. I said, on the bus or 
or while you're waiting for your transport or, you know, like, okay, don't close your eyes when you're driving your car, but. Probably not. Unless you're driving the Google car. <laughs> but, but you can be mindful while you're driving your car. Right? Exactly. You can be the, the steering wheel, the temperature, the texture, the noises outside. Well, any and, you know, you mentioned brushing your teeth and it could, yeah. or it could be doing the dishes or folding your laundry. Like there's so many jobs in a, in a day that, especially around the house, I find that don't need your complete kind of mental engagement. Um, and so those are the moments that you can, if you do them mindfully, then all of a sudden they become part of your, um, of your self-care routine. Yeah. And well, actually that's informal mindful practice. You're right. Informal meditation by being aware of what you're doing when you're doing it. So they say, when you're making a cup of tea, you're making a cup of tea. When you're making a cup of coffee, you make a cup of coffee. When you're eating, you're eating. When you're hanging the washing up on the line or whatever, feel the textures, feel the sun or the rain or whatever it is that's out there. <clears throat> be with that experience. It's better than judging it as I don't want to be doing this. When, when that happens, I've got to do that. Just be there now because there's no other place that exists. That moment is it. Yeah, um, that's it. We're going for it. It's like I've, I've, um, I got an actual kettle, you know, the old-fashioned ones that whistle at you when they're done um so that when i boil water i actually make tea rather than just put the kettle on six times a day yeah because it screams at me um but i find that not like i've had that for a while but now i can i hear that it's got it's gonna boil in like five seconds because i can hear the the noise of the water change right yeah but i don't even i need don't need the whistle because i know that it's coming because I can hear that. And that is like things that just because you become aware of the sounds that that is making, but you know, I mean like, okay, so it's, it's just a kettle, but, um, but you can only hear that if you're actually listening to it. Absolutely. No, I think that's brilliant. That's, a, that's an exact, uh, an excellent example of, of mindfulness. Again, we can, you know, we can be judgmental about noises as well. You know, we can be trying to get to sleep and somebody starts, working outside or the neighbors making a noise. We had a, we had a neighbor who put a, a heating boiler unit in, in the loft next to our wall, oh, actually right. on our wall. So every time it fires up in the winter, it's like a jet engine in our bedroom. <laughs> and so initially it was really annoying and we judged it and we listened for it, kept coming on and turning off, coming on and turning off. And then I said to my wife, you don't have to listen to it. We can know it's there. We already know it's there. We can let go of the meaning. It's, this reminds me of where I grew up. I lived across from a um, church and it had church bells and the church bells went off every 15 minutes. Um, now, I moved to that house when I was three and so I got used to it. <laughs> um, but there was people who moved into the, into the town who then started complaining about it because they couldn't sleep because the bells went off every 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to lie in bed and waiting for the bells to go, oh, they're going to go again in 15 minutes, then you're not going to fall asleep. But it was very funny. At some point, they got the council to switch the bells off between the hours of midnight and six in the morning or something. Now, all the people who'd gotten used to the bells going off every 15 minutes couldn't sleep. Yeah. And it took, us, it took us a while to realize that the reason we couldn't sleep was because the bells weren't ringing, right? It's like, um, but yeah, so it was turned off by like, because one person was annoyed by the bells ringing every yeah. 15 minutes rather than let it go. It, that, that is what it is, right? It's the same if you live by a railway track. If you're going to move into, 
you know, a railway line. <laughs> you, you can expect trains to come along. To be honest, the only sign that it's ever really upset me where, where I was living was because I lived kind of in a Bermuda Triangle of three homeless shelters. Right. And so a lot of times people who were too late for the homeless shelter would be out in our street. And, but they would scream, sometimes they would scream because they were like, obviously these people had uh, mental health sure, issues sure. and they would scream, right? But you are, you are wired to wake up when someone is, you know, when there's blood curdling screams outside, you wake up. There's nothing you're going to do about it. Yeah. <laughs> you do not get used to that stuff. No, no, of course not. No. <laughs> no, that's reasonable, isn't it? That's our body doing what it's supposed to do. Isn't exactly. It? Exactly. Yeah. That is the only time that I was like, okay, we're going to need to move because I cannot deal with this <laughs> or we need to get new double glazing. That will help. But uh, that was awful. But I think, yeah, like you say, it, a lot of what we're, what's happening around us, um, we are, awareness is, is really interesting, but judgment is maybe even more interesting because I think that is where we're, where, where we really get a choice as to how we respond to things. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. If we can look at things both sides of the coin. So, well, that's a bad thing that happens to me. Okay. But what's the other side? You know, I've dinged the car. I've, I've, I've crunched a wing on the car. Well, all right. Yeah. I'd rather wish I hadn't done that. But that I've done it. The main thing is that no one's hurt. That might be the only solace we can find from it, but it's not bad. You know, the washing machine breaks. Oh, no, you know, I've got a load of washing to do. Well, on the plus point, I'm going to get a new one and I know it's going to be good for a year. <laughs> yeah. You have to dig deep for some of these positives sometimes. Sometimes. But to be honest, on the, you know, on the first day I lived in this house where we live in the now, we locked ourselves out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because we left the key on the inside of the door and I couldn't get back in. So I had to get a, you know, I had to get someone to break into the house and it took him an hour and a half. Wow. <laughs> because... I had a very, very good lock on the door. Well, there's a positive there. So that was good. Of course, I had to replace the lock. Yes. <laughs> so that was a very expensive lesson. But at least, you know, at the same time, I was like, do you know what? Okay, now I know that I have a super good lock on my door. Yeah. And so that is a nice, safe feeling. Um, you know, and there was, there was some other things as well, like that I was like, do you know what? I had someone, I had a friend call a locksmith because my phone wasn't working. Um, and I had a friend that I could reach out to, to help me out with the situation. And do you know what I mean? So there's always kind of, even if it is someone helped me with this horrible thing, that is a very positive thing, right? Yes, it is. And there's a connection there. So. Yeah. I mean, you get connected at that point. It reminds me of the other thing around, uh, you know, with so much bad news on the, on the, you know, on the, on the media these days. Now, we get to choose whether we watch it all on loop. But mm. if you're going to see a major event happening, you know, a disaster of some sort, look for the helpers. I love that saying. It's so true. Mm. Look for the helpers. There's always rescuers. There's always helpers. There's always people who want to do good. You focus on them because yeah. the other stuff we've got no power over. Um, you know, it needs absorbing, of course, and understanding. But don't let that be the lesson. Let be the lesson that the people are, there's humanity there. Um, I think there's always a positive somewhere. You just got to figure it out. Sometimes it's difficult to see it, but even that, if you, um, that is, that is a skill you can learn as well. It becomes easier the more you do it. Indeed. It takes time. And again, you have to have distance between the event and, you know, when you can start to explore what it means for you and doesn't need to continue meaning stuff for you. I think that goes into the trauma resolution stuff again as well, you know, 
<clears throat> Definitely. Well, I think, I mean, we've covered so much um, of we this. We have. I hope and I wasn't too fast for everybody. I'm sorry, we've <laughs> learned an awful lot about what we know there. <laughs> well, anyone who wants to reach out to uh, myself and Bob, you're in our Facebook group as well. Yeah. Um, I do believe. So, um, you know, come join us on Facebook. And um, if there's any questions, then um, we will try our best to uh, give you some answers. Fantastic. It's been really enjoyable catching up with you, mate, again. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. And um, yeah, we'll do that again then right okay. yeah why not? as long as we find it enjoyable <laughs> <laughs> all right hey i'll um i'll see everybody on the podcast next week um for another episode and uh bob we'll i'll see you next time all right take care Thank all you. right see you later bye, bye, -bye.